Ladies and gentlemen, at this time it is my great pleasure to introduce to you the Mayor of the City of Norfolk, the Honorable Paul D. Frame. Thank you. Thank you. Really, thank you for that nice introduction. Thank you all for being here. This is a terrific turnout. And Congressman Scott, Bobby, thank you for being here. I know you've got a lot of places you could be. We certainly appreciate you stopping by here. It's always an honor to have this opportunity to talk with our city's leadership about the city of Norfolk. So thank you for being here. Thanks, too, to Mike Fowler, chairman of the Norfolk Chamber, and to the Hampton Roads Chamber of Commerce for organizing today's event. At this moment, it is fitting to recognize two people who are not here with us today. Police recruit John Kahn died following a tragic training accident on December the 9th. The thoughts and prayers of the City Council have been with his wife and his family ever since. And sadly, just yesterday, longtime Public Works employee Jerry Holton was killed in a work-related accident. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family as well. At this time, I ask you to join me in a moment of silence in both of their memories. I would also like to recognize someone who is familiar to many of us, but who just this past Tuesday began a new career with Norfolk as our new city manager. Marcus Jones is a 17-year veteran of public service. That includes 10 years at the state level, rising to the position of Deputy Chief Administrative Officer for Finance and Administration for the entire Commonwealth, and seven years at the local level. From 2004 to 2009, he was ours, the City of Norfolk's Budget Director and then our assistant city manager. Marcus returns from the city of Richmond where he served as chief administrative officer for finance and administration. He is here with his wife, Jillian, so I ask you to please make them welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Obviously, Mr. Jones is assuming the role of manager at a difficult moment in the life of the city. He needs time to do his work, and he needs your help and patience. The first 100 days of his administration will be challenging, but he is up to the task. He will be forward-thinking and aggressive as he works with the City Council, our outstanding city employees, and you to move Norfolk forward. Marcus, welcome home. Thanks again so much. Marcus, stand, stand up. Marcus was actually six foot tall when he started work on Tuesday, but he's, but he's doing fine. We are honored to have representatives from the Armed Forces with us today. Joining those previously mentioned is Commander Doug Jordan, Commanding Officer of the nuclear-powered Los Angeles-class fast attack submarine, the USS Norfolk. Commander Jordan, I want to thank you and your crew for your service to our country, as well as for the volunteer work you perform in the city. Thank you, Commander. Each passing year and each global crisis gives us a deeper appreciation for the great job our men and women in uniform do 
and the sacrifices they make to keep us safe in a dangerous world. And so we thank you for being here and for all that you do. It is fitting to note last April's transfer of the Battleship Wisconsin from the Navy to the city. The Battleship is a symbol of our historic ties with the Navy and national defense. Portions of the ship's interior were open to Nauticus visitors in October after being closed for more than 20 years. And an, and an onboard exhibit has been designed to recognize Senator John Warner, who played an instrumental role in bringing Wisconsin to Norfolk. For more than 50 years, Norfolk has enjoyed steady economic growth while successfully responding to the serious challenges of suburban growth and a critical shortage of land. A new century, however, has brought new challenges to the economic future of Norfolk and the entire Hampton Roads region. Chief among them is our slow suffocation from traffic congestion. Other challenges are a stagnant economy, declining local revenues, state funding reductions, and shrinking federal assistance. Localities across the nation, the Commonwealth and the region, are forced to accept the fact that lean is the new normal. Experts have identified these challenges multiple times. We know what they are. What we need to do now is work on solutions. First, transportation. Today, Hampton Roads' gross domestic product is second only to Northern Virginia and the Commonwealth. Future economic growth depends on the ability to move goods and people into and out of the region efficiently. Today, that future is threatened by a highway network that crashes way too often. Regional leaders recognize this and have endorsed a transportation vision that, if implemented, will fuel economic growth well into the future. The key project in that vision is the third Hampton Roads Harbor Crossing. Unanimously endorsed by the region 15 years ago, it still remains the best project designed to improve uh, mobility throughout the region. It will do the most to ease congestion, particularly at the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel. It best supports our main economic drivers, the port and the Navy. It opens up new areas for economic development and does less damage to our environment. A modified version of the third crossing, now called Patriots Crossing, would accomplish each objective for, objective for about half of the cost of, an, of a widened HRBT and, with, and without incurring years of, const, of construction delays. The effectiveness of the third crossing has never been disputed. The wisdom for the modified version was recently validated by a study performed by Old Dominion University's Modeling and Simulation Center. As an editorial in the Daily Press stated, the region's leadership must get together behind the third crossing. This approach was also recently endorsed by the Virginian pilot. For the immediate present, the most important transportation project is the second Midtown Tunnel and MLK Freeway ex extension, linking it with the downtown tunnel. It is the most heavily traveled two-lane road in Virginia and, <clears throat> and needs our immediate and full-time attention. This project is moving forward and has been selected to receive a portion of the governor's transportation plan funds. If the project stays on track and the tolls kept at a reasonable level, construction could begin as early as the end of the year. But the future of transportation is about more than building bridges and tunnels. It means embracing a new mindset of mobility. Norfolk's newest mode of mass transit comes with the opening of the Tide light rail later in the year. To say this has been a trying project would be an understatement. Painful and expensive mistakes were made. But the hiring of former VDOT Commissioner Phil Chiquette has put light rail back on track. 
Its past problems, while significant, are being addressed vigorously and are not caused to abandon the goals of light rail. All of the good that can be accomplished by lacing the region together with the light rail system, the congestion relief, economic development, and quality of life improvements have made the effort more than worthwhile. Major metropolitan areas all across the country are pursuing light rail. We are, in fact, the smallest city in the country to achieve this goal. And when all is said and done and all of the bills paid, it is important to realize that the tide is still one of the least expensive light rail systems built on a per mile basis in recent years. It is also a fact that the decision to build the intercity passenger rail terminal at Harbor Park was influenced by its intersection with light rail at that location. A poet once wrote, a cynic knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. I urge you not to lose sight of the value of light rail. Thanks to the General Assembly and to Thelma Drake, Director of Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation, $93 million in state funding will allow for improvements to accommodate a commuter train using Norfolk Southern Track. This means we have round-trip passenger rail, and we will have round-trip passenger rail operating from Norfolk to Richmond to Washington and points north in less than three years. Last February, the Commonwealth Transportation Board endorsed the south side route to Norfolk as the preferred alternative for high-speed rail. We expect passenger rail to become a game-changer for Norfolk and secure our historic position as the business and financial hub of a region with 1.7 million people. Efforts to establish passenger rail service to Richmond would not have succeeded without support from our friends at Norfolk Southern Corporation. It's the best managed, best run transportation company in the nation. Last year saw Norfolk Southern make a strong recovery from the recession and win the E.A. Chairman's Safety Award for the 21st consecutive time. That's a distinction that is unmatched among other major railroads. To cap off a great year, Norfolk Southern Chairman and CEO Wick Mormon was selected by Railway Age Magazine as the 2011 Railroader of the Year, one of the most prestigious awards in the industry. This recognized Wick's leadership in environmental responsibility and for completing the Heartland Quarter. And so I ask you to join me in thanking and congratulating him and Norfolk Southern for these achievements. With the Heartland Corridor now operational, a full day has been shaved from transporting containers from the port to the Midwest. This is a powerful competitive advantage. Coupled with the port's lease of the 8 p.m. terminal, the expansion of Craney Island, where work on phase one began in December, and our harbor's ability to accept the world's largest cargo ships, the port is well positioned to take advantage of the Panama Canal's widened, widening scheduled for completion in 2014. The widening will allow ships from Asia to transit the canal and offload closer to Midwestern and Eastern markets. As cargo ships away from the West Coast, calls on the Gulf and East Coast ports is expected to increase significantly. The Port of Virginia has been identified as the port best positioned to become an East Coast hub in 2014. Ours is the only East Coast port with deep enough channels to accept these larger vessels. Reflecting a strengthening economy, container volume increased 8.5% last year and ship calls by nearly 5%. And coal volume at Norfolk Southern's Lambert's Point docks were at near record levels. Air travel is also essential for economic growth. 
Business and visitors, visitor travels, travelers alike demand both good connections and low ticket prices. Southwest pending acquisition of AirTran is expected to add 37 new cities to Southwest route structure. This offers a real opportunity for future expansion of service here, and the airport authority and the administration are working hard to make sure that Southwest not only remains here, but adds new routes. Delta's merger with Northwest led to reinstatement of service to Minneapolis. The new nonstop service to, to Boston will begin April the 1st. This commitment of growth is a positive sign in a year where airline expansion, expansion is expected to be conservative. Although the recession officially ended in June of 2009, recovery has been slow. Fortunately, Hampton Roads has fared much better than other parts of the country. A recent Brookings Institution report ranked us number two in the nation for economic performance and in the top quarter of regions worldwide. This was attributed to our high concentration of military and defense spending, which now comprises approximately 45% of the local economy. According to the Virginian pilot, the payroll for military and civilian defense, civilian defense department employees in Hampton Roads was nearly $5 billion. That amount doubles when housing allowances and other benefits are included. Clearly, we have benefited from increased defense spending. However, with Congress under pressure to reduce the deficit, change is coming. This was signaled by Secretary Gates' announced intention to close the Joint Forces Command. It now appears that half or roughly 2,000 of GIFCOM's military jobs will remain, mostly in modeling and simulation operations. This softens the blow, but a 1.4% military pay raise, which is the smallest since 1962, and a two-year freeze on federal civilian pay will be felt locally. So too will the plan to rely less on contractors and more on federal civilian workers. In response, regional leaders have called for greater efforts to diversify the economy and reduce the dependence on the defense industry. We agree with that strategy. In fact, Norfolk's been moving in that direction for some time. As a result, when the military is excluded, no single sector of the economy accounts for more than 15% of Norfolk's total employment. Still, we need to sharpen efforts to grow the tax base, attract new businesses, and support and retain existing businesses. Job growth is a true priority for us. Our efforts will be strengthened by the governor's recent announcement, in fact, just this week, that Norfolk has been designated a Virginia Enterprise Zone, and we are thankful for that. Old Dominion University's development of Innovation Research Park is helping to diversify the economy, the economy from another direction. Located in University Village, IRP now has two 100,000 square foot buildings with tenants that include LifeNet Health, that's a global leader in regenerative health, the U.S. headquarters from Masa Group, a developer of software products focusing on simulation and gaming for defense, security, corporate, and entertainment markets. And IP Configure, that's a leading video surveillance company founded in Houston by Old Dominion graduate Chris Hudewick. Chris says he moved the company to Norfolk last year to take advantage of ODU's resources and Norfolk's ideal location on the East Coast. Chris is with us today, so please join me in welcoming him back to Norfolk. Chris, thank you. Thank you.
the businesses at IRP are exactly the kind of businesses we need more of. They reflect a new economy, they constitute an emerging market, market segment, and they attract bright young people, and they pay good salaries. The recession and slow recovery, recovery have noticeably affected state and city budgets here and across the country. Consider that in fiscal year 2007, only one state budget, only one state had a budget deficit. In FY 2010, 48 states had budget deficits. For two years in a row, Norfolk has spent less money in our budget than the year before. Last year, our operating budget was 5% less than the year before that. With revenues continuing to fall short of expenditure demands, we will once again be examining programs, services, and positions for reduction or elimination. In spite of last year's very difficult budget, Norfolk was the only city in the region to significantly increase its local contribution to public schools, and that was by $3.5 million. And we have not stepped back from our commitment to, to keep upgrading the city's infrastructure. This year's capital improvement budget includes $20 million for school construction. It also includes $46.5 million for water utility projects, $17 million for wastewater utility improvements, and $14.5 million for transportation projects. These are investments that will directly benefit our neighborhoods. And we should all be encouraged by a December report showing that in 2009, compensation per job grew in Norfolk by 4.6%. This is significant, significantly greater than the 1.2% growth nationwide. It's the best in Hampton Roads and confirms our position as the region's center for business, finance, education, medicine, and culture. It is also worth pointing out that the average compensation per job in Norfolk for 2009 that's the combination of wages and salary and benefits, amounted to $70,397, better than the Virginia Beach average compensation per job of $52,232. I almost couldn't get that out. For workers in Norfolk, total compensation for workers in Norfolk was $13.9 billion followed in the region by Virginia Beach at 10.4 billion. Look, I want to, Will's a good sport. He's also, he's also a good friend and he's a great friend of our city. And Will, I appreciate you being here and letting me take a little liberty. He takes such a nice picture. I also want to take a second and Thank uh, Kenny Wright from Portsmouth for being here. Kenny's been on the job for just a few months, and we've already established a great relationship. And, I, and Will, I think you would agree that the mayors in Hampton Roads are probably working together together better than at any time in the, in the past. So thank, thank you for being here. Um, these are numbers, by the way, that we can all take pride in. And, I, and Will, <laughs> the best paying jobs in the region are in Norfolk. OK. <laughs> We put that slide in last night. <laughs> Downtown is at the heart of our economy. It will continue to play a critical role in our economic strategy. The downtown we are so proud of was achieved through years of investment by the city and its private sector partners who shared a vision of what our old seaport town could become. With this variety of shopping, arts, and dining opportunities, 
It is a popular destination for residents and visitors and is among the most desirable places to live in Hampton Roads, even if you're a zombie. <laughs> Enjoyed by thousands from across the region, this exuberant event made national news. You guys remember the, the zombie night out? The organizer and head zombie, Whitney Metzger, is with us today. And this was an overnight, overnight sensation. Whitney, a little heads up next time would really help a lot. Of you. You know, we found about with somebody, 10,000 people playing tag. And, and, you know, she called me on the phone and said, you know, we're just going to you know, play tag. Last year, a South Carolina-based U.S. development announced it would acquire and renovate the Union Mission Building into the Rockefeller Apartments. Even with the headwinds of an unfavorable economy, U.S. Development's President David Bryant says architectural and engineering drawings are being finalized and they will proceed to closing. And that construction may begin as early as the second quarter of this year. He said work may begin even sooner on renovating the old Savoy Hotel into apartments. And that's really been an eyesore for us. The Savoy, but we're glad it's being saved for sure. The Savoy is situated on the corner of City Hall Avenue and Granby Street. Granby Street is a place with a great urban vibe and authenticity so attractive to today's generation of young professionals. It is, a, it is an urban village where hundreds of people live in unique spaces above storefronts, and where office workers and students and shoppers and arts patrons and diners share the sidewalk. The concentration of chef's-inspired restaurants is unmatched in Hampton Roads, and, it, and a true theater district has developed along with a higher education presence offered by Tidewater Community College, which will soon open its new student center that will serve more than 14,000 students who attend CTCC's downtown campus. Thank you, Dr. DeCroce. Thank you. We want to build on that and are now seeking to diversify street-level uses by adding unique retail offerings that will complement MacArthur Center, where I am pleased to report that sales grew approximately 10% last year with new stores on the way. How about that? That's great news. <laughs> on the strength of a $20 million challenge grant from the Batten Foundation, last week we announced an expansion to the planned Colonel Samuel L. Slover Memorial Library. That's our new central library. This is in addition to the $20 million previously donated by Frank Batten Sr. and permits us to build a facility 30% larger than originally planned. Colonel Slover was Mr. Batten's uncle and guardian and a former mayor of Norfolk. We deeply appreciate the Batten family's love for this city and its people. Our goal is to have the finest central library in the country, a library that contains the most advanced technology and a library that makes an architectural statement about our city. We intend to deliver on this goal. We will break ground later this year. And thanks again to the Batten family. Thank you. <clears throat> Last summer, we celebrated the opening of the magnificent Wells Fargo Tower. Developed on the light rail line and next to MacArthur Center, it's one of the most desirable locations in the region. The tower is presently 75% leased. 50,000 square feet of retail and 122 apartments are now under construction 
and will be ready for occupancy this spring. Next year marks the 200th anniversary of the War of 1812. That's a conflict with Great Britain that some call the Second American Revolution. And we are extremely proud that downtown Waterfront will host Virginia's signature commemorative event, and that's Opsale 2012. Organized by Fest Events, this will be a nationally significant event. Let me also recognize Fest Events on being one of only three U.S. events organizations to receive the first World Festival and Event City Award presented by the International World Festival and Event Association. So please join me in congratulating Karen Scherberger and everyone at Fest Events for bringing this global recognition to Marcus. Karen. All great cities have strong, dynamic, creative communities. And many cities larger than Norfolk would love to have our cultural assets. Norfolk's commitment to the arts has enabled groups like the Virginia Symphony, Virginia Stage, and Virginia Opera to mature into arts organizations with national reputations for excellence. This year marks Joanne Folletta's 20th anniversary as the symphony's music director. In that time, Joanne has led the symphony to national recognition while becoming our own cultural treasure. The Virginia Arts Festival, Festival moved into its permanent home, and that's the Clay and Jay Barr Education Center, just in time to celebrate its 15th anniversary this spring with another season of world-class performances for audiences across the Mid-Atlantic. Next door to the Arts Festival, the new Hurrah Players Performing Arts Center opened its in the historic Norfolk Academy building, doubling performance opportunities for young students of Virginia's foremost children's theater program. And next fall, the Chrysler Museum's new $7.5 million glass studio opens. And thanks again to the generosity of Jane Batten, the Chrysler's art collection was enhanced by her donation of nine important paintings by American artists. Together, these are a major step forward for the Chrysler. Norfolk supports the arts because they enrich the community and because it's good business. The arts contribute to our quality of life, and they attract visitors and businesses to the city. Indeed, over the past year, the arts have drawn an audience of well over half a million people to Norfolk. Norfolk, in fact, is the cultural capital of the Commonwealth. The graph now displayed on the monitors compares educational attainment with unemployment rates for the city of Norfolk. It depicts how important an education is to leading a productive life. You see the unemployment rate for Norfolk residents without a high school diploma exceeds 16%. The rate for those with a college degree is just over 3%. These rates parallel national figures compiled by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The message is clear. More of our students need to graduate from high school, to graduate on time, and go on to college or another form of higher education. The benefit to individuals is obvious, but higher graduation rates will also benefit the city by improving our ability to grow and attract new businesses and to, and to provide more and better paying jobs. It would make us a more desirable place to live and contribute to a lower crime rate. And so it really is no exaggeration to say that much of the city's future rests on the success of our public school system. Our teachers, our principals and administrators are dedicated professionals who provide students with an education equal to the best anywhere. An, an outstanding example of our school system's leadership 
is Norview High School Principal Marge Staley. Marge was selected as Virginia's High School Principal of the Year for 2010 and was runner-up for the, for the National Award. Appointed principal in 1992, her insistence on academic rigor has resulted in higher achievement scores and greater numbers of Norview seniors entering college. Marge is also with us today and I would ask her to stand as we congratulate her on this achievement. Marge. Also with us today is the state AAA champion girls basketball team from Lake Taylor High School. The Lady Titans are the only Norfolk girls basketball team to ever win the state champion, championship. The team is accompanied by Lake, by Lake Taylor Principal Cliff Harrison, Athletic Director Bob Pannenbacher, and Coach Sandra Sawyer. Will all of you please stand and be acknowledged? We very much are very proud of you. Coach, we can do that again, right? We're going to... Okay. A new team is also in place at Norfolk Public Schools, led by school board chair, Dr. I mean, Reverend Dr. Kirk Houston, and vice chair, Karen Squires, and superintendent, Rick Bentley. Dr. Bentley was appointed last August to lead our school system. He comes to us from El Paso, Texas, with 30 years of public education experience. So please join me in welcoming him to Norfolk. Dr. Bentley, thank you. We are confident that by working together, the board and school administration will lower the dropout rate, increase on-time graduation rates, and achieve full stake of accreditation for all of our schools. In keeping with education being a top priority, Norfolk invests $11,034 on each pupil's education which exceeds the region's average. Even in a tough economy and with, a further state, and with further state budget cuts, the council acknowledges the need to address aging facilities. Funding was included in this year's capital improvement budget that will allow us to push the building program forward. Last month's groundbreaking for a new Crossroads Elementary School allows us to look forward to replacing that outdated facility. Our colleges and our universities are a vital part of Norfolk's educational system and economy, and they continue to make important contributions in both areas. Norfolk State University's campus will gain two buildings later this year when construction is completed on a student service center and the Lyman Beecher Brooks Library. In September, the university hosted the Commonwealth's second major signature conference on the 150th anniversary of the Civil War and brought many of the nation's top historians to the city. Across town, Old Dominion University continues to grow, and recent estimates are that it exerts a $1 billion economic impact in Hampton Roads. One of ODU's long-term goals is to become an economic development leader for the region through research and building on such assets as the Modeling and Simulation Center and Innovation Research Park. ODU recently reached a milestone when a National Research Foundation reclassified the school as primarily residential on the strength of 3,000 units of student housing. And that's been added since 2005. This includes the district, an apartment complex housing nearly 1,000 students. Owned by ODU's Real Estate Foundation, this $53 million development 
generates nearly $600,000 in tax revenue for the city. Construction on Eastern Virginia Medical School's new $80 million education and research building remains on track for an August completion. It will provide much needed research space and allow the school's MD class to grow 30% and physician's assistance classes by 60%. This should help bridge a projected physician-patient gap. More good news came when the governor announced he will seek a state budget amendment to increase the medical school's budget by $5 million starting next fiscal year. This will enable the school to hire additional faculty and, and researchers to serve a growing student body and positively impact both our health care and our economy. And it's Harry Lester, the president of, e of EVS, is here. Harry, where'd you go? Are you still here? Okay, well, he said hi earlier. I mean, we really have a great, there he is, Harry. Harry, we didn't mean to put you in the corner, but you've really, I mean, have, have, have uh, committed such leadership to the school and to the region. We appreciate very much all you do. Under the leadership of President Dr. Billy Greer, Virginia Wesleyan College is known for academic excellence. And last year, the Princeton Review named it one of the best colleges in the Southeast. Additionally, the college's chemistry program was one of 10 programs worldwide to receive Hewlett Packard's Innovators Award. This year, Virginia Wesleyan celebrates its 50th anniversary. And so congratulations also go to Dr. Greer and to everyone in the community who helped build it into such an outstanding institution of higher learning. Now in the fifth year of our 10-year plan to end homelessness, we continue to make progress. Even in a time of economic turbulence and shrinking resources, homelessness declined in Norfolk by 4%, and we prevented, or <clears throat> we prevented or ended homelessness for 781 persons. Still on any given night, more than 500 persons experience homelessness in our city, so there's still a lot of work to do. The well-being of our children is especially important, and there is a constant need for foster care families. One of our most endearing foster care families are here. Mr. Cordell Dickerson and his wife, Patty Porter, embarked on a journey of a lifetime when they opened their home and hearts to five siblings ranging in age from, from four to 10 years old. Last March, they completed the final steps necessary to adopt all five children. Patty, Cordell, and the children are here. I stand here and I would ask them to stand. Please stand, guys. We are fortunate to have citizens concerned with the welfare of our children. And no better example of that can be found than with Betty Wade Coyle. Betty Wade has dedicated her life to the well-being, the growth, and development of children. Last month, Betty Wade received the National Child Labor Committee's Lewis Hine Award. That's a national award recognizing a lifetime of exceptional work done to improve the lives of young people. Betty Wade is here, and I would ask you to join me in congratulating her on this well-deserved award. Betty Wade. Thank you, Betty Wade. 
Another champion for children is Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters. Its commitment to an innovative treatment and excellent care for young patients has made it a national leader and the top center in the world for correction of pediatric chest wall deformities. Children's Hospital has touched the lives of countless families here in Norfolk and beyond, and this year it marks its 50th anniversary. So please join me in congratulating Children's Hospital on this milestone. Norfolk's police and fire rescue departments are among the best in the country. We are proud of their consistently excellent performance. And on behalf of our citizens, I acknowledge and thank them for all that they do. I am pleased to report that violent crime dropped 14% in 2010. This follows a 14% decline in 29. In other words, in the past two years, violent crime has dropped approximately 26%. These are significant accomplishments, especially considering statistics predict the opposite in a down economy. The police department is doing more with less, especially considering last year's budget cuts, and they deserve our gratitude for a job well done. Thank you very much. Our commitment to public safety also includes facilities, and in just a few months, we'll cut the ribbon on a new second patrol division in Central Business Park. The city has also signed a memorandum of understanding with Old Dominion University to explore a joint police operations center for the third patrol division. And we are also exploring options for eventually establishing a patrol office on the south side. The city's neighborhood revitalization efforts continue to receive widespread recognition. Coastal Living Magazine, again selected an East Beach home as its 2011 Coastal Living Idea Home. And for the second time, East Beach hosted the Tidewater Builder Association's Homorama. Over 75,000 people visited 11 featured homes. And I'm pleased to say that all have sold and closed for an aggregate price of $6 million. East Beach homes actually outpaced sales of 2009 sales by nearly 25% this year. Next month, NRHA will launch another phase in the Broad Creek revitalization with demolition of the Moden Circle apartment complex. This is a $44 million project that's funded by HUD that will bring a mixed income, sustainable community to an area of the city that has already seen nearly $300 million invested there. I'm also pleased to report good progress is being made in raising private sector funds for the Salvation Army's Croc Center a recreation and education facility, to, facility that's going to be built in the Broad Creek area. The Croc Center has the potential to absolutely transform this important part of our city. An architect has been selected and construction is scheduled to begin late this year, thank goodness. In Ward's Corner, our development department continues in active discussions with major property owners in the heart of the business district. Subject to an improvement in the retail sector, new development opportunities are expected to be identified later this year. City Council is mindful that more needs to be done in Ward's Corner. We know and share the frustration with the pace of activity. There is great potential in Ward's Corner and we are determined to see the efforts through to completion. Whether it's climate change or the health of the Chesapeake Bay, hardly a day passes without a media story on the environment and for good reason. The City of Norfolk is committed to doing its part to lessen the impact of its operations on the environment. In just the past year, we joined with the Lafayette Wetlands Partnership and the ANDODU to complete three wetlands restoration projects, 
four neighborhood projects were completed to, er to eradicate invasive weeds along city-owned shoreline, including a site at Lakewood Park, where last spring we launched a new environmental initiative called Celebrate Trees. That's a program designed to increase the city's tree canopy. It was awarded a River Star designation by the Elizabeth River Project for, for voluntary environmental stewardship. Outdoor recreational opportunities are increasingly popular, especially with our young people. Biking, walking, and jogging facilities are a priority need, and we are looking at ways to increase outdoor recreational opportunities, especially the Elizabeth River Trail. We added two major recreational facilities this year, the Lambert's Point Community Center and the Northside Skate Park. Both have been big successes, and this spring we'll break ground on an aquatic center for the South Side, and plans are underway to build a new gym at Ingleside. Also in the works is, the, is an expansion of the Therapeutic Rec Recreation Center. And on April 2nd, we will celebrate the grand opening of the Virginia Zoo's Asia Trail of the, of the Tiger expansion with eight new animal exhibits that include orangutans and Malaysian tigers. Asia will double the zoo's large animal population and place the zoo at the forefront of America's best zoos. Before I conclude, I want to return to the important issue of transportation and why an adequate system is so important to Norfolk's economy and our future. First, some background. As the red line on the graph demonstrates, in 2003, the total assessed property value in the city was $9,357,000,000. Today, seven years later, it is nearly $20 billion. It has more than doubled in seven years. That's quite an accomplishment, especially so when you consider the recession and understand that much of the added value comes through redevelopment. This allowed us to drop the real estate tax rate from, from $1.40 to $1.11, and that's the blue line. Since 2005, no other city in Hampton Roads, Roads has provided more tax relief. This is making a difference in people's lives. We work hard to expand the economy and our tax base so we can relieve the tax burden on our citizens and our businesses. But without an adequate transportation system, our accomplishments are at risk. Also consider this. At last count, there are approximately 223,500 jobs in the city. That's military and civilian. But more than 111,000 of those jobs are filled by commuters who drive into Norfolk from all across the region and then return home at the end of the workday. That's, that's just about half of our workforce. Thousands more drive to our universities, our schools, and civic attractions. They all add tremendously to our economy. Over 82% of Hampton Roads residents drive alone to work. That's up from nearly 73% in 1990. Many of them are bound for Norfolk. As a result, out of 33 comparable metropolitan regions, and those are regions between a million and two million people, across the country, <coughs> metropolitan regions across the country, our peak hour travel time is fourth worst. At the busiest hour of the week, it is second worst. Because of this congestion, commuters are finding it increasingly difficult to get to work or class on time. For some, it has become a crapshoot. Here is the issue. If we allow this trend to continue, if people can't get to their jobs, the jobs will go to the people somewhere else outside of Norfolk and a devastating economic impact to this community. This problem is compounded by the fact that Norfolk is the most infrastructure-dependent city in the Commonwealth, 
with tunnels and bridges being our main gateways. This is why we must concentrate so much on road and rail improvements. It is slow in coming, but our efforts are beginning to show the promise of success. The Midtown Tunnel expansion could be underway within 12 months. The region is coming together behind the Patriots Crossing, which will relieve congestion across the region and do wonders for Norfolk, the port, and the Navy. A 7.4-mile light rail transit system, which is predicted to carry thousands of riders today, will begin running in a matter of months. With this system, we hope to move a portion of those drive-alone commuters out of their cars and into our city, thereby easing congestion and travel time. The region has unanimously endorsed the Southside Corridor for high-speed rail. Intercity rail linking Norfolk with Richmond, Washington, and localities north to Boston should be operable in less than three years. Both of these systems will operate out of downtown Norfolk. We are setting the transportation table for a more prosperous future for our families and our children. All of this is not only possible, but probable, if we work together towards this goal. It will require significant investments by the Commonwealth, together with reasonable user fees. Over the past several days, both the House Appropriations Committee and the Senate Finance Committee approved the Governor's $4 billion transportation plan. Even though it involves massive borrowing, I believe it is time to move forward and come together behind this plan. The truth is, Norfolk and Hampton Roads are starved for transportation dollars. Our economy cannot wait for the perfect plan. This effort may not meet long-term needs, but it does address our immediate transportation needs. It is time to work with the governor in a bipartisan manner to improve and then pass his transportation plan. We need action now in this session. Now on a high note. Just last evening, the Census Bureau announced, the Census Bureau announced that the population of our city has grown by 8,400 folks to 242,803 citizens. That's a 3.6% increase. And this is wonderful news by any measure. It reverses a four-decade-long population decline. It confirms the correctness of many of our housing and economic development strategies and it validates the hard work and commitment of so many people in this room, and it says so much about all of us. This new population account allows us to access additional federal funds for economic development, for transportation and social services, and should strengthen our position with credit agencies. And finally, this will be the toughest Norfolk City budget in anyone's memory. Cities feel the impact of a recession long after a recovery has begun. We ask for your understanding as we begin the difficult process of adopting a budget. Public services will be reduced, and because cuts were so deep the last two budgets, the next wave of cuts will be the hardest yet. We are committed to bringing forth a budget that will be fair and move our important priorities forward, a budget that serves not just the next 12 months, but the next generation. These are times that require leadership at all levels, as business, government, and citizens alike. These are times that call for collaboration and creativity and courage locally and regionally in responding to the challenges discussed today. And these are times that call for compassion and care as difficult decisions are made that affects people's lives and incomes. 
Our city has a long tradition of strong and visionary leadership. We also have a long tradition of excellent, hardworking city employees, over 4,600 permanent and non-permanent non staff. It is my honor to work alongside them every day, and the council is very proud of the job they do. Our city economy is on the rebound. Our population is growing. Crime continues a downward trend. New and existing neighborhoods are benefiting from long-term investments. While some areas have proven more stubborn than others, we are committed to their renewal. Truly, we have much to be thankful for, and this should inspire us to look to the future with confidence that we are moving forward together in a direction that enjoys broad and deep support and causes me to say that the state of our city is still sound. The city, the city council joins me in thanking each of you for your enthusiasm and love for our city. Your energy and, and your contributions to the community make it a privilege to serve you. Thank you for being here today and thanks for all you are doing to build a brighter future for our families. God bless you and God bless the city of Norfolk. I love the old houses, I love how it's close to the water, and we like to go walking um, all around the neighborhood. We live and work downtown, we love downtown. Downtown is great. I love so many things about Norfolk. I love that I grew up here and I wanted to move back. I love that I want to raise my family here. I love that I get to walk to work. Everything that she said. <laughs> The best thing about Norfolk that I really love is the cheese. So much to do. Norva, Waterside, Chrysler Museum of Art, Five Point Farmers Market, the Pagoda Garden, Stockley Gardens Art Festival, Harbor Park, Dumars, the Harrison Opera House, the music scene, and we can go anywhere on a Friday night, Saturday night, meet really nice people.
I love Norfolk because it's bike friendly. I love that Norfolk has citizens that care about wanting to live here and wanting to improve it. It has wonderful people, wonderful shops, great clubs. It's just where you want to be at. We got real good cheese here. I feel that Norfolk is the urban core of Hampton Roads. The city of Norfolk has been extremely supportive. I've had calls from the mayor all the way down to the Civic Leagues. Everybody seems to be gung-ho about it. I'm hoping I can create jobs, and I think that's what everybody's looking for right now. When we started the concept of the Wells Fargo Center, our goal is really to create a new home for four companies in downtown Norfolk that had been here for a long time. We wanted to create a project that was a step better than anything else in the market. And I think that you can see the vision that we've created. live downtown, we walk downtown, we work downtown, love it. Norfolk is full of culture, it's full of life, and it's full of creativity. And I love Norfolk.